The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. City Art Chronicles is a Bay Art Chronicles production. everyone and welcome to Chronicles Q&A. We've got some fascinating questions from you guys as always about Serie A. It's me Nikki Bandini with Mina Rizuki uh, alongside me as we've had all season. Gosh we haven't missed an episode together this uh, season Mina. How dedicated are we? We haven't even taken a week off from seeing each other. I just can't, I can't imagine it Mina. The summer's coming up, it's going to be awful, we're not going to see each other every week. But let's jump right in with a question from Victoria Giordano, who is a Chronicles Tifosi Patreon member in New Jersey. Thank you, Victoria, for supporting the show. Who do you think is the right number nine for Inter? Is Skamaka the one? Do they gamble on Dybala or do they bring back Lukaku? Or does someone else come to mind? Uh, Victoria says they personally would put their money on a Scamacca Martinez partnership. Ooh, Mina, what do you have to say about that pairing? I was so in two minds about Scamacca because, on the one hand, I watch him play and I think, oh, he's very good. You know, on the other hand, I think it hasn't been a long time enough. You know, it's different to play Sassuolo than it is to play at Inter. I don't know whether sometimes we jump into thinking someone is brilliant straight away and they haven't had enough time. But likewise, there's a lot of players that don't need 15 years to convince you, which is something that we do tend to do in Italy, like wait and wait and wait until someone convinces us. But then it's a little bit like, I know I say this, but like Fratesi, for example, I was like, or Castrovilli. Actually, let's talk about Castrovilli. I thought amazing when I was seeing him and watching him. I was like, oh my God, I can't wait for this guy to join Juve because in my head, everyone is going to join Juve, you know? Um, and now I'm just like, oh, thank God he's not at Juve, you know? So I don't know. And I and that could be really harsh. I still think he's a good player. But for me, his decision-making really annoys me, frankly speaking. Skamaka, well, obviously he's renewed his contract with Sassuolo. We know that he is tremendous. We know that he is an Italian and it's 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 good for him to, to have a few more Italians who are facing tougher challenges and therefore they'd be better prepared when they do join the Italian national team. But I don't know, when I when I think of clubs like Inter, Juve and Milan, I think of huge names. I think of Haaland's and, and Mbappe's, but unfortunately now it's just beyond us on an, on a financial level. But I would probably choose somebody more, you know, like a Lukaku coming back, frankly speaking. Just because, you know, we know that that worked. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to work again because it is a different coach. They are different tactics. But somebody, I guess, that I feel is more established, um, more more game experience over the years, because I think it is the Perisic and the Brozovic um, level of experience that has really greatly helped you uh, into. Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> so... As for Dybala, you've seen his performances recently. You've seen his performances in the very big matches. And if you haven't, then sometimes Nikki trolls me about them. 
um, if he does do well, <laughs> she'll send me a message being like, and you don't like the question mark. <laughs> Um, <laughs> just imagine what it's going to be like, Mina, if he does go to intern next season and I have to text you then. Imagine. Yeah, I mean, just nobody trolls me more about the <laughs> boy way than Nikki, guys. Yeah, just to let you know, there is never a moment when the guy doesn't play and she hasn't got her phone right next to her. <laughs> yeah. I've got a little, alert, a little alert set up, you know, just tells me when Dybala's playing well and I can send a message. I don't even have to be watching. Oh, there we go. That's all you need to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not true. And yet there I was watching him against Bologna being like, where are you? Like, off the ball, this guy has absolutely no idea where his positioning should be. He's just completely lost in the middle of the field. So, frankly speaking, this kind of player really irritates me. I think he's way too expensive for what he'll provide you. And that's if hoping that he would manage to stay healthy and fit enough to even play these matches to talk about tactics and technique. Technically, he's perfect. Like, he's got a lot going for him, but I just think his runs off the ball, I think his positioning off the ball, I don't necessarily think it's very good. I don't think he understands how to provide enough support to the forwards. I don't know whether this is just bad coaching, frankly speaking, because I am sort of like always in awe of how bad it is and I can't understand why Allegri hasn't corrected it. But I wouldn't go for Dybala. And I think that Lautaro Martinez is also, I think he needs a proper number nine if you want to keep Lautaro Martinez. And I don't think that's what Dybala is. Well, actually, I know for sure that that's not what he is. But hey, listen, Dybala can be your like auxiliary right back if you want. You know, he's very good at dropping the Otherwise, yeah, Lukaku, huh? Probably that would be the guy. You know, I'm, I'm assuming that when he comes back to Inter, he'll have more than seven touches in the match. So probably go for Lukaku. Wow, Mina, just sticking the boot into poor Romelu. Look, the, the answer is, in my opinion, like if you could bring Lukaku back and that was viable, yeah, do it. And I mean... Yeah. Like we 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 know that works, right? Like we don't you don't need any sort of clever um um theories. We know that works. We know it works with Martinez specifically as well, which is you know something you should probably be wanting if you're into as well as mm. anything. You want to be able to get Martinez back going because even if you're not going to keep him forever, you want to be able to sell him at a good price. And I feel like right now his market value is probably plummeting. I don't think it's going to happen though because I I can't see how the financials of it work. I think the price that mm. they sold to Chelsea was too high, so Chelsea can't. And just say, yeah, okay, off you trot. We'll let you go on a free or anything or, you know, loan you out for nothing. So even if you can work out the wages with Lukaku, which you probably can, because Lukaku, I think, sincerely would love to go back. And yeah, and that side of it, I think you could work out. I, I don't think you could work things out with Chelsea at this point, which is actually a real mess because now you have a very talented footballer. Even if it hasn't worked out for him at Chelsea, I refuse to believe that he's suddenly become not a talented footballer overnight. So you have a very talented footballer stuck somewhere that does not work for him at all with a club that doesn't want him there and another club that could use him very, very effectively. And that's just sad for everyone. And on an emotional level, as someone who sort of loves seeing people thrive in in everything, actually. But yeah, certainly in, in football, I'd love to see footballers with talent get the chance to thrive and, and do what they, they sort of do best. It's a shame. Like, I'd love to see him back at Inter and doing that because he was fun to watch there. And um, I think if that was the, a possible answer, I think it would be the right answer. For me, the next answer is Skamaka. And I, I'm going to be honest and say that I don't know if I'm judging Skamaka correctly yet, I'm, I'm very enthusiastic about him. I, I, I really feel 
optimistic about him in his career. And I think that a big part of my optimism for him in his career is that where we've talked about, you know, after Italy's World Cup um, qualifying exit, like a lack of courage in some Italian young players, whether or not there should be more Italian young players making steps abroad. I, I just think he's such a, a self-possessed and, um, and sort of confident individual that going and making that move when he did to go to PSV and be like, no, I'm going to go there. I'm going to go and follow the path that I think is right to, to go and play football. And coming back from that and clearly having learned a lot from it and being ready to go and score goals in Serie A at Sassuolo at a young age, I, I think that there's just so much about his character that I find encouraging. I think there's probably an abrasive side to his character as well and, and a difficult side to his character. But I think that I think that on the football pitch, he's he's too too hardworking and too self-possessed not to go well in his career. I could be wrong. I've mm. been wrong before. But I feel optimistic for him. And so I would love to see him go to a club like Inter and and have that opportunity. Whether or not, again, that's going to happen. Who knows? He's got a contract at Sassuolo now that lasts a little while. Dybala, conversely, I think there's a very, very good chance that happens. Oh, you do? Yeah, but I'm not sure it is right for them. And actually, you know, in keeping with my Lukaku thoughts, I'd love it if he is a, it does go there and is a success because I wind Mina up because I do actually, unlike Mina, I, mean, I don't even think this is true, actually. I wind Mina up. I think Mina does actually believe there's a talented player in there somewhere. I believe there's a very talented player in there somewhere. And he hasn't been for a while. And I have to say on the surface, I don't think Inter is a good match. I don't think it's the sort of forward they need. I think they need a number nine, exactly as Mina said. But I, I also just sort of want to remind everyone that we're not talking about ancient history. We're talking about the currently, these months, there's a couple of footballers who've left Juventus and almost immediately started playing better in Bentancur, but to a greater extent, Kulisevsky at Tottenham. So that's not a thing on Juventus, but just a reminder that sometimes what a footballer needs is a different context and a different setup and a different system to immediately show different things for themselves. And maybe it's going to be best wherever Dybala goes, that he's finally out of Juventus and finally has a fresh slate somewhere to see if he's got something else that he can tap into. I'm going to just point out one thing. Kulisevsky was somebody that even Ibrahimovic said was a champion in the making. Mm. Kulisevsky was Padma's best player. Um, and it was clear that when the tactics are that he can run from deep and has space available to him, which you will get more when you play for a smaller team, you will do well. What you do get in the Premier League over what you get in Serie A is less congested space, a lot more space for you to run into. So if you, he is a player that's made for the Premier League. I struggle to believe that Dybala will make that much. I, I almost think maybe Spain would be the better option for him for a technical player. But he also, for me, what, what, I, I, what I agree with you on Skamaka is that he bet on himself. He said, I'm going to go to PSV. He said, I'm going to believe in myself. I'm going to come back. I'm going to show loyalty to, to Sassuolo, extend to 2026, and then you know, make sure that they get some money from having invested in me as well. And I love that about him. And it is about a character there that it makes a difference. I don't see that character from Dybala. I didn't see that character in the Champions League final in 2017 when we could have really done with a character there. And frankly speaking, for me, I just feel like his positioning off the ball is so tragic sometimes that he needs a coach that dedicates time for him. So if I was him, I'd probably go to Villarreal, honestly, because only I know Unai Emery who has that much time to devote to players individually because I, he does need a coach that really dedicates a lot of time for him. And frankly speaking, he's turning 29 this season. So 
this year. So I don't, I don't get that. Mm-hmm. But I'm sorry. I do tend to be a little bit too down on him. So, but you're right. I do see a good player in there somewhere. Okay, shall we go into the oh, next question? Yes. Oh, yes, the next question. Our ongoing series, which we need to not make 40 minutes long this week. <laughs> yeah, but this is the question that we got from Noel three weeks ago, by the way. And he said, when looking at Milan, Inter and Juventus, which players on each team would you keep in the starting eleven in order to seriously compete in Europe? I hope Noel's enjoying these answers because we have, we have given Noel so much answer already for the first two. It's a whole po- it's more than a podcast. <laughs> Noel hasn't provided us any feedback yet, so uh, I'm I'm not happy with no. that. So he better after Ooh. the final after the final of this series, he better respond and uh, thank us gratefully. <laughs> no, no, our producer never gets angry because he's slightly upset. Then that means something, Noel. <laughs> I'm not upset. Noel's Noel's on good terms. It's all good. <laughs> oh, but no, that we finally got to the week that we can talk about Juventus. <laughs> so we've discussed Milan in what, 30 minutes or less. It's like a pizza, you know. We should do this while waiting for a pizza delivery, Nikki. Oh. And we've done it until last week. And now it's Juventus. Which player? Now, this is going to be a difficult one because I don't actually know even which player is supposed to be there. <laughs> so this is going to be a tough one because there isn't really a set 11 like there is for Inter. But uh, do you want to take it away? Yes. Yeah, so, well, let's let's go through it, Mina, and, and see how we do. I mean, I think um, we start in goal. That's maybe one spot where there's not too much ambiguity. Wojciech Szczesny, are you happy with him as a goalkeeper for a team that's trying to compete in Europe? Yeah. Wow. He's that a nice is... guy. Um, and, and I've interviewed him, and he's a really lovely chap. And he's a, good, he's a very good goalkeeper, actually. Um, but he's not a goalkeeper for the level that I... I would like Juventus to reach. And that is having a goalkeeper, the likes of uh, Alison Edison. So for me, like, I think Manian is much better. Mm-hmm. And I don't like any, actually. I don't like Handanovic necessarily um, or Onana. But no, I think Chesney is a drop below that. So I would want a Donnarumma. I would want somebody bigger than that. Because I think that sometimes with Chesney, you do have to drop a little bit deeper than you want to because he can be fragile. So I have him a tiny bit above Handanovic at this point. I think Handanovic has been has been higher, but I think Handanovic at this age in his career is a sipped bit. And I think I said Handanovic for me was not good enough. I think Chesney is is right on the borderline for me. I think that I agree completely. He's not at the level of, of like the really top European keepers you want him to be. He's not an Addison. He's not an Edison. He's not, I agree with you, even a Mike Magnon. Do I think you can get away with a keeper at his level and, and compete in Europe? Yes. Um, but I think you should be aspiring to better. And that's being hypercritical, right? Because I think he's fine. And I think he's excels in some situations. He's a great penalty uh, saver. But overall, yeah, that's true. overall, do I think he's, he's the level of, of the top teams in Europe? Mm. Yeah, he's at the very low end of it, of, of that level, which still puts you above lots of keepers, by the way. But we're talking about competing in Europe and... Um, and I think he's, I think he's, he's really on the borderline for me. So if we go on to the, the back four, this is where we're going to get into who is the starting back four, um, which I think <laughs> is, is, a, is a really reasonable question. I think the centre-backs, we can probably say the first choice, which of course requires health and, and, and availability and the rest of it. But the, the centre-backs is Delict and Killeen, you know, if everyone's healthy. Okay. Many, Mina's not sure. Benucci. So, Orpanucci, as well as, as, you know, that's why I didn't so just say it as an uncontested statement. What do you think? 
Those three I'm I'm fine with. I think Delict is now I think Delict is now the first one that is the first name in there now, personally. He should be, he should be. Um I I definitely think that um, from the centre backs I wouldn't change a thing except for Rugani, maybe. I mean if Cagliari don't like him, like that's saying you that's telling you something, right? Do you wish Demerat was still there? Because he played quite well in Europe this season in a couple of games. He was very good for Turkey as well in the um it was difficult against Portugal, but they were very, and he was a big portion of that. Um, I, he's reckless sometimes, he's careless sometimes, but he's also very young. But I think he has a really, really bright future. To be honest with you, I'm. this is what annoys me so much about Juventus. Is we talk about the mistakes made in the transfer market, and then we blame Allegri for a lot of it. But they let Romero go. <laughs> Christian Romero, for me, is, is a wonderful, wonderful mm. centre-back. And after you make that mistake, you then let Demaral go. You let Jao Cancelo, Cancelo go. Like, And all of this is somehow Allegri still has to do it all with Rugani at the back. You know, like, I just... Oh, it's such bad mistakes that will take a long time, a long time to heal. Okay, well, let's, let's not dwell on that because we've got to go through the whole team. But the, the full-backs... I, I don't know who you think of the starters here, Mina. I mean, at right back, is it Cuadrado? Is it De Chilio? Is it even uh, Danilo at left back? Is it Alexandro? I don't know who you, th- or, you know, Pellegrini. I don't know who you think that the, the starters are here, Mina, but are they good enough? Like, is there is there a starting combination there that you do think is good enough? I'd keep De Chilio for the squad and I'd keep Danilo, but I don't like either fullback. I don't like Luca Pellegrini. I don't think he's ready yet for this jump. I don't like Alexandro. He's been poor since 2018 frankly um he has his moments and I do feel safe sometimes with him on the ball than any other but not anymore now I I think that's gone I know that people love Cuadrado I don't so I think that's a more personal thing if anything I think that he's direct I think that his style of play suits Juventus right now because they are slow but he is somebody who when he gets in and he has a brilliant shot from outside as well but to me he drives me insane most of the time when it comes to some of the execution of those passes, uh, how long he takes on the ball, his decision-making. He's very fast, but then he, it, actually taking a decision takes about 20 seconds for him. And we've lost all all ability to of, to really put ourselves in the right position on a tactical level to take advantage in an attacking way. So I would not even have Cuadrado. I'd only keep Danilo. Um, I know this is going to come across as quite like crazy but I would only keep Danilo and maybe Di Chilio, but I don't think he's that great either but at least he can deliver a cross and and do you feel like Danilo you're okay with starting or you think even that needs to be upgraded I probably wouldn't start him if I'm honest with you what about you I see I, I have Quadrado definitely in okay. the squad and Danilo definitely in the squad but I think the fact that the fact that we can't even name a starting selection here kind of tells you everything that you need to know, like that, that, that we haven't exactly. got a clarity of, of, of starters. And the question, I don't know if this is actually Noel's original um, email or if this is sort of um, uh, emphasis that we've added, oh, added on ourselves <laughs> to remind ourselves what we're discussing. But on the, 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 the run sheet that I'm reading, we've got starting 11 highlighted in bold. And I'm not sure if, if, if I feel particularly good about either any of those in my starting 11 in the Champions League not again, not just to be in the Champions League, we're talking about competing to try and win these things. So upgrades at fullback definitely required. Moving on to the midfield, I mean, no, to an extent, I, I, to, an ex- well, to an extent, we need to pick a formation, right? This is part of the problem. Like starting 11, what's your f- formation? Is it a 4-4-2? Have we got a midfield three? Like what's, what's, 
Mina, come on, help me out here. What's 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 the best that you can do with what you've got here? I guess we have to go with the best players that they're currently available. I, ideally, maybe a 4-3-3 would probably be the best style of play, but mm-hmm. it, just because I'm thinking to myself, Vlaovic, Keza. Yeah. And, you know, Morat, I'm thinking more of the attack. Mm-hmm. Um, the midfield, it's interesting because I think Rabio may just be the worst midfielder in the world, <laughs> but I do agree with one thing that Allegri said, which is he's much better in a two. Um, so the the three the four three three just doesn't suit at all Rabio, but I wouldn't have him anywhere near my team. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think he's. I wouldn't have him in pretty much most of them. I'd, I still have Weston McKenney in the squad. I think that he offers a lot of value and perfect insertions. And actually, interestingly enough, these last two matches that I watched um, with Cagliari and especially in Bologna. He has always been the difference maker because actually on a tactical level, he's perfect at reading space mm-hmm. and he would have known how to insert himself to make the difference in the final third or to at least drag attention away. Because when you are taking space away from Blaubert, you need somebody to distract them and McKenney would have been really useful there. So I do like him a lot. I really like him a lot for also what he gives the dressing room. He is a perfect character to just, just keep people believing. I would also obviously keep Locatelli because he's a tremendous player that we haven't seen the best of the season because of the tactics, sadly, and because he's had to adjust so much to the different ways that Juventus are trying to play. He's still been the best. He's been the, when I think of Juventus midfield, he's the one I think has been the best. So like, even if you're saying yeah, he's not as good as he can be, he's, he's the best they've got. And I, and I think he's... No, and you can really feel his absence. Mm. You can feel his absence right now. He's, he's probably, like, I mean, this... He's probably the only yeah. one, he's probably the only one of those names that I feel totally confident saying starting eleven. Um, to serious competition. Oh, here. yeah. McKenny, I, I, I definitely want him around. Do I feel confident saying starting 11 to compete in Europe? No, mm, I agree with you. I'm not sure. I agree with you. He would be in my squad, but he wouldn't be in my. The only one that I would take in my starting 11 right now, because it could be Den- it could be Zachary in the future, but right mm. now it's just Locatelli. But in my squad, I would keep Zachary and I would keep Weston McKenny, but I would get rid of Arthur, I would get rid of Rabio. Ramsey, I mean, you know, he's injured in another location now, but I would just get rid of everything else right now and just keep Locatelli in my starting lineup. But we do need two proper midfielders. Yes, fascinating. You know, this is a fascinating exercise. Uh, yeah, thank you, Noel, for giving us the excuse to do it. Because I do think when we go through these teams, team by team, I think by this point of both Milan and Inter, we had a bunch more players that we were keeping than we do at Juventus, which is is saying something now. Having said that, I think for Juventus, probably the best area of the pitch on paper is now mm. the front end of the pitch because sticking with the 4 Which 3 3. Yeah. It's, incidentally, it was the opposite for Milan and Inter. It was their forward line that we had problems with. Yeah. Yeah. It's really true. Um, but sticking with your 4 3 3 formation, I think um, probably neither of us are going to disagree that Vlavic and Kiersa we feel good about. Mm hmm. Absolutely. And we maybe want one more. We maybe want one more to Mm. complete that on the other side. Mm. I mean, I'd love Ousman Dembele, but my only only fear with that would be with uh, his injuries. But we're not talking about who we'd buy. It's just about whether or not we feel like Morata would be in the Mm. starting lineup. There is a lot about Morata that I like that I don't think anyone else does. Um, I've always been a big fan of his, frankly speaking. I think that he offers a lot from a tactical point of view. But he is maybe not the guy that's going to, like, you know, set the world alight. But I do think with Vlaovic, Keza, maybe you do need somebody who's better with tighter control. But definitely, you know, obviously Dybala's gone, so 
Yeah, I don't know. It's, I mean, it's, it's a combination we haven't got to see because of Kiesa's injury, right? Like it's a combination that we're still waiting to, to sort of see come to fruition and, and do something. I think the thing for Maratta is that you have to sort of acknowledge, maybe it hasn't been consistently in his career, but Maratta has played on teams that have seriously competed in Europe. Like he has been part of those teams. So it's not unthinkable. And he's got a bunch of goals, right? Yeah. It's not unthinkable. And, and, and how he would look in a team that had an upgraded midfield and has Kiers and Vlavic there healthy and, and going together. It's, it's an open question. I think he's, he's again on the borderline for me. Um, mm. I think if I was prioritizing the replacements in this group out of all the ones I've mentioned, he might be like the bottom, possibly even like lesser priority than Szczesny for me. So I, I think that says something. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe still, yeah, if I want to seriously compete in Europe to keep going to the question, I think there's something better. Like I, I think there's better out there. None of it's cheap though. So I do think that if you do have Keza and Vlaovic, you know, when I think of great teams, there's always one veteran leader in every department. And so it, it, it's like that perfect spine, you know, like, you know, Kilini is the veteran there. In midfield, I think there needs to be one veteran midfielder there. And then the forward line, I would like, like Perisic for me is just, oh, he's so beautiful. You know, I, I love having sort of like that kind of presence there, you know. Of course, you don't necessarily need it, but it's nice for me if, if there is somebody that you can bring on because at the end of the day, Blauvich and Keza are very young. There are going to be inconsistencies there and I do sort of want them to be able to depend on someone rather and Morata is not young by any stretch of the imagination, but I wouldn't describe him as veteran experience. So mm-hmm. maybe on that level, if they don't like Perisic, he can always come to Juventus <laughs> if he doesn't renew his deal, you know. But that is ideally probably one player that I would like to have more of. Or just or if that presence is not available up front, then I'd like it in midfield. So interestingly enough, what we would change is the fullbacks, the entire midfield and goalkeeper, right? It's quite a lot. <laughs> it's quite a lot for the... Um... But how is Allegri not playing good football? <laughs> it's quite a lot when we get into it. Thank you for that question, Noel. Um, they've been really sort of interesting and fun to do. I don't know if we should, it's not in the question, if we should extend it and do Napoli next week because we've done all the other three in the top four. But Yeah, I do feel that they deserve it. We can think about that between now and then. We've got one more question here from... Mick, who sent us a DM on Twitter asking for advice about his trip to see Lancia Verona on May 21st. Oh, Mick, um, enjoy. I hope you're going to have a, a good time at the game. I'm guessing from this question that you have not been to a Lazio game before. I don't know if you've been to Serie A games before. He's got a three-part question. What's the typical Lazio game day like? What's the best place to sit as a tourist fan? And also do Italian football teams sell programmes? I'm not sure that you can sort of break things down completely as typical game days, um, because uh, that really depends on lots of things. You know, bigger games get different sorts of uh, behaviours. Um, also depends on on who you are and and what your sort of approach to things is. I mean, there's there's a lot actually that that could fall into this category because, of course, I never know if people fully understand if they haven't been to Italy and spent time at home football stadiums the difference mean between like a tifoso, um, a fan, and an ultra. And look, those things actually are hard to understand because they can be blurry as well. I've spoken to people in sort of ultra groups before. They've said, no, no, well, I'm not an ultra anymore. I used to be, and I got older, I just became a tifoso. And some of it is just like, almost like some people feel like they age out of it. But the, the ultra culture 
game day experience does tend to involve, or does tend to revolve around meeting hours before the game. There'll be specific meeting points. There are specific Lazio pubs, specific Lazio bars. And having a drink, normally you'll see a lot of bizarrely alcohol that we would sort of consider being really like low end of the scale. Beer in England has become very sort of like cool in Italy, which is like the extra strength tenants and stuff that is like considered like hipstery um, good beer in Italy, which, yeah, you see a lot of extra strong beer being drunk. There'll be flares at those sort of meeting points. There'll be paper bombs being set off, fireworks, so that for a big enough game, at least you get all of that sort of build up with the ultras and then they'll, they'll head on down uh, together. But for a lot of non-ultras, the average tifoso, the game day could look like anything. Meet somewhere for lunch, go to the stadium. The entrance into the stadium at the Olympico can be a little bit um, chaotic. It can feel a bit like you're being sort of kettled in, depending again on how busy it is or what time you get there. But you get inside and it's a, um, I, it's not a modern stadium, but I find it quite a nice stadium. It's got the sort of old grandeur about it that comes with Rome and obviously the marble statues outside. In terms of places to sit, I mean, this also ties together with the same thing before. It really depends on who you are as a fan, Mick. Um, if you are confident in, first of all, you're Italian, but also you're you know, confident speaking to, to Romans and speaking to football supporters who might have, you know, some edge to them, then you can be a bit braver. If you are um, someone who is more worried about that stuff, then you can play it safer. And I, you know, Mina was saying before, like, you know, you, there's, there's a line here between men and women, isn't there? Like, I agree with you, like whether, where you're going to feel confident going as someone who, who doesn't know if they're going to fit in. And I think I would always recommend people to err on the side of caution. Both uh, Lazio and Verona do have elements, their fan bases that are quite rough and that you need to be careful around. So the safe option is uh, the Monte Mario. The Monte Mario is where the uh, Tribuna Stampa is, it's where the, the media sit and you can get tickets easily, normally, and they will be not their cheapest, but they will be nice view. You get a nice sideline view. You'll be comfortable. You'll have a nice time. If you want to sit um, closer to the Curva, you could aim for the Distinti Nord, but be aware, you know, like that, that isn't, things happen there, right? People have, people have been attacked in places like that. People do get themselves in situations they might want to avoid. So you need to be really careful and feel confident, I would say, going there. And, and probably I would, I would feel a lot better for you in that situation if you know someone from Rome, if you know someone to go with who, who will make you sort of more aware of etiquette and, and all of that sort of thing. I've just said all that as sort of like precautions, but don't like over worry either. Like if you, especially if you, especially <laughs> yeah. if you're going to go sit in the Monte Mario, you'll be absolutely fine. Like if you're going to, even the, the Tibona Tevere as well, which is the other side to the, the Monte Mario, that's kind of the area again for Tifosi rather than for the, from the ultras. You'll be fine. You'll be absolutely fine. Really depends on, again, your confidence in football stadiums and, and being places, but be aware that there is. There is an element, as there is in lots of stadiums all around around um, Europe, not just in Italy, that is a bit rougher, really. Um, sorry, Mina, I just basically answered that question a lot myself. Um, I don't know if things you wanted to add. No, I think you're better actually, um, you're better first when it comes to describing that. I was going to, basically what I can say to you is that I've done it more from like a European level, like mm -hmm. been to... Turkish games, Spanish games. I started actually my career talking about Spain a lot more than I did a bit. I was just an Italian football fan, but not necessarily an Italian football journalist. So a lot of the time I was reporting on Spanish games in the beginning. And 
there is a difference when it comes to watching Italian football in the stadium than it is to watch an English game or I'll be honest the first stadium I ever went to in the, in, in in England um was Craven Cottage <laughs> it's such a lovely place to watch a football game it's one of the nicest it places is. yeah <laughs> going for a Sunday roast yeah it was just it was incredibly friendly it was so like nicely middle class you know nobody swore yeah it was very like oh darling it's very polite English you know and I and I just thought god this is great like, I wonder mm. what my dad was scared about you know my dad used to always sort of like accompany me to these things because he used to be terrified and I thought oh, this is really this is really nice the only place I've ever had a sort of you know hand on heart moments have actually been in Stamford Bridge but I'm not going to lie, going to Italy, I don't, again, but Italy, you have to understand, I'm, I'm a girl that's a little bit of a, gets terrified pretty quickly, you know. I have been scared. I, I, it, it's a lot of fun, I, and, you know, not that I'm trying to glorify anything, but it was a lot of fun to go to Milan um, and to San Siro when it was Fossa de Leone, their ultras at the time that were just very hardcore. Um, but the ground would shake, the atmosphere was tense and you never wanted to be the opponent. But I guess what I couldn't get accustomed to is the passion in Italian football. It was, it was, it's, you can take it bad, you can, you can be scared or you can't. But to be honest with you, Juventus Stadium to me is the closest that you can get to an English stadium. And in the, in the, like, I guess you, the closest you can get to the, to the Emirates Stadium in, in England. So pretty nice and friendly in comparison to the others, I think, if you're not sitting at the Curva. But yeah, I guess with with Lazio, I wish you were coming to see the derby. Well, you know, I wish you were going. Yeah, this is the only thing though, Mina, is I feel like my sort of worries and fretfulness, perhaps for like someone going there doesn't know what they're they're doing, is because I have been there for the derby and I have been with ultras for the derby, and and I know that that can actually be a perfectly sort of um, fun experience. You know, I I really sort of found that like a, an enjoyable and and sort of eye opening in a positive way in lots of ways time that I had when I did that. But I also had someone who was my in, who was sort of, you know, introducing me to people yeah, and, exactly. and, and making my Holding sorts of, hand. yeah, exactly. And, and, and that's a very different experience. Now, look, like you can also make it sound like something out of a Hollywood movie, which it isn't, right? It was fascinating being in like one of the big ultra pubs before the Derby because you had some pretty sort of serious looking elements there, I'll say, but you also had literally tourists coming along and being like, oh, I'm a big Lazio fan from Sweden. And I found out about this pub and I had to come down. Yeah, that's true. And they were fine. Like nothing bad happened to them at all. So like, there is also like two parts to it. And I also think it's worth stressing again that Lazio Verona is not the derby, right? It's it's just not, it's not mm. going to be that sort of vibe. I'm not expecting that you'll see running battles in the street or anything like that, which did happen at the derby. But I just think I always want to sort of stress to people that like Italian football stadiums are 99.9% of the time you're going to be fine, have a nice time. But there is an element there that you just need to be a little bit like aware of that there are some, there are some people in those stadiums, same as football stadiums all over the world that you need to be a bit more um, aware of. And, um, and I think that your, where you choose to sit in the stadium maybe should reflect like who you are and like how confident you are in navigating new situations like that and and who you're with because i think if you just want to go and enjoy the game you'll have a really nice time sitting in the monte mario and you'll be comfortable comfortable and you'll still get all of the sort of atmosphere because trust me i've sat there when when things kick off in the cordova you still feel it in the middle of the stadium it is loud so mm, mm, uh, you won't miss mm. out on anything by being there in my opinion 
No, exactly. And it also depends as well sometimes who your coach is because Verona have had some coaches in the past and when they're playing in their own stadium that I wouldn't go to that match, personally <laughs> speaking. But <laughs> I'm there's a part of me that's like wishes that you went to see the, the derby and a part of me that just thinks maybe it's too much or it's the first time. But you know, as a fan, like, you know, the countries that, like Argentina, if you're going to go to the Bombonero or anything like that, and if you're going to go to any of the Istanbul derbies, they're just there's just a bit more passion and and in and for me Italian games sort of match up to that. You go to the Bernabeu, you say in the middle of them and tell them you know you know support Real Madrid. They kind of just want to chat to you. There isn't I don't you know same with Camp Nou, um, same with the Pichuan in Sevilla. It's not like um, you don't feel in any way like I'm a lot more let's say put it scared if I'm in Stamford Bridge. Mm-hmm more than all the other stadiums in England. Weirdly enough, I love Anfield. <laughs> like, I didn't ever die for that the fans were so nice to their the, the team and the, the even Old Trafford, I, I just didn't feel that. So I was trying to give a comparison on how it is. But I think in Italy, Turkey, maybe Argentina, I'd say not even Brazil, those are the, the ones that just have a bit more passion. So if you are the type to get slightly offended if you hear bad chat, you're going to hear a lot. <laughs> so... Last recommendation for this is if you are um, wanting to see a bit of a pre-game experience, my recommendation, Ponte Milvio, uh, you'll definitely see fans congregating there before the game. It's one of the bridges over the the, the, the Tiber, the, the Tevere on the way up there. And there's a place called uh, Trapizzino. I might, I might be able to date on this, but I think it's still there. And I think it's still pretty good. Sandwiches and some fun Roman, like Roman uh, style, but like modern sandwiches. If you're game for it, I'm pretty sure they do one with tripe. I personally can't stand tripe, but some people love it. And it's a very Roman thing. So depending how brave you're feeling, Mick, that's a place you can go for a bit of pregame. Um, you'll see some fans there for sure and uh, a pregame snack. We hope you enjoy it. Thank you so much for your question, Mick, to Noel, to Victoria. Thank you for all your questions and keep them coming. We hope you enjoyed the Serie A Chronicles Q&A. Get your questions in on Twitter for next week Chronicles Q&A at Serie A Chronpod with the hashtag Chronicles Q&A or via the website. Check out our website at seriechronicles.com and click the Chronicles Tifosi button to join our Patreon community where you'll get access to exclusive episodes and bonus content. All new Serie A Chronicles Patreon fees for the month of April will be donated to Omidet Children's Hospital in Kiev, the biggest children's hospital in Ukraine, which is doing amazing work treating Ukrainian children injured by military fighting, including shrapnel and gunshot wounds, as well as continuing treatment for life-threatening illnesses. Read about the hospital via the link in the show notes. Or to support the show with a one-time tip, you'll also find the button on the website to take you there. You can also, of course, find us on Twitter and argue with us if you like or be nice to us, however you choose. Please make it nice. <laughs> be nice. At Nikki Bandini. At <laughs> Mina Rizuki. I start to feel sometimes the toxicity of Twitter. <laughs> or subscribe to the Setting Our Chronicles YouTube channel where you'll get access to videos of the show. Guys, you have to be nice to Mina on Twitter because she's got toxic yeah. WhatsApps from me coming in all the time. God, yeah, you and, and you know, now you know what I have to deal with, okay? That's just one Twitter conversation, one WhatsApp conversation. <sighs> anyway, thanks for listening, guys. Hope you're nice to me on, on social media and uh, we'll catch you on the next show. Ciao.
Elon Musk is going to fix Twitter, so it's all good. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> we hope. Before we finish up on that, what are your thoughts on Zaniolo's penalty shout when Meretz rushed out and made a save, but then the follow through cleaned him up? Would you call that a penalty? No. I I think I, I think it shouldn't be because the keeper can't do anything about it. Mm. Um, but I I do and I don't, I I saw, I saw it as ambiguous, and I think that I have no problem with the referee not giving it. But I I, I can also see that a referee might have given it. Because of the way that because of the way the way the ball went because the ball wasn't going out the ball was going towards the middle of the penalty area and I, I can see I can see a referee that would have given it but um, for me it's spirit of the law I think it shouldn't be because what, what else is the keeper going to do he's made an honest save he hasn't gone in there and just missed the ball for me I didn't even consider it until the I think I think the commentator said you know if it happened mm-hmm. on the halfway line you know a, an outfield player. Making the tackle cleanly, but then following through, it would be given a free kick. And I thought, well, why does the goalkeeper need to be treated differently? So that's why I was in two minds. But I do agree with having a little bit more protection for a goalkeeper because I do feel like theirs is different. As in, you know, when you are an outfield player, there is other people that should come and rescue you and those players around you to help you. When you're a goalkeeper, you're on your own. So it's what you do. I know what you're saying because it's the follow through. So it's your own mm. fault. But I think that is hard to do because a goalkeeper can use his entire body and he can use his arms. So there's more chances of something happening after that than there are for an outfield player who's only supposed to use his feet. I just remember looking at it saying, I can understand why Roma fans can be upset, but for me, it's not a penalty. But then I don't think anything's a penalty. So, But I did like what you were writing about as well. And you were like, I think it's a penalty as well for you. And I was like, was it? I didn't see that either. Well, the foul happens inside the box. So, yeah. But it starts outside, does that It starts happen? outside, but the contact and the foul happens inside. If I'm a striker and I don't get that penalty, I'm very angry. Come on. I think if you've played the game at any mm. level, you know that you want that penalty. Yeah, I think you do want that penalty. It's weird, though. I'm, I'm somebody that always trusts the, pen, the, the referees a little bit too much, maybe. They got two red cards, Fred. It's enough. <laughs> well, that, that, was, that was their own fault, their own indiscipline. Yeah, exactly. So they deserved it. Yeah, Gary Medell. Medell wanted, yeah. Why? Why would you do this? Like, you guys had it in the bag. This was going to be your first victory, you know? Sports Social Podcast Network.